Purple elephant shower thought of the day. Being able to tolerate the sound of your own voice is the highest form of self-acceptance. This is Purple Elephant Radio, where we hear about storytelling, originality, and creativity from the creators who are actually making something matter. I'm your host, Sean Green. Unfortunately, this episode is not with a teacher. I tried my best to keep season two as teacher-centric as possible, but I finally hit my limit, at least until next week, where I'll be back with another teacher interview. But for this week, I was planning on doing a solo episode that I had to put on hold because if you're hearing this Monday or later, I will have been recording the next Purple Elephant film over the weekend, and I feel like I wouldn't have been able to give this solo episode, the time it deserves. So I brought this interview that I did a couple weeks ago with Andrew from Good Fight. And even though it's not a teacher's story, I think there's so much to learn from him. Whether you're a musician or a filmmaker, you know, it doesn't, the medium doesn't matter. His story, he, of moving to New York, starting in jazz, doing, going to school for jazz and transitioning to making this distinct indie band that I still don't think I could describe it as one genre or another. I think Andrew is what I want Purple Elephant to be, what I think it means to be a Purple Elephant creator. And I hope that comes across in our conversation. I hope you learn something from him. So enjoy. All right, so today's guest is a really cool guest because it's the first, um, I guess it's the first musician I've interviewed. I mean, obviously my roommate who's releasing an album pretty soon, but this person has been in a band for four or five years now called Good Fight, and you may have heard his music in the last short film that I put out called The Sticker Club. And if you haven't seen that, go watch it. But I'm talking about no one other than Andrew Foreman. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I mean, this is such a a cool episode because just in the past when I've made short films, I've reached out to kind of like relatively smaller artists and they'll be like, yeah, you can use uh, you can use our music. But then I don't like really get to connect with them. And I feel like being able to do a podcast with someone like you is just a really unique experience, and I'm really excited to dive into it. Hey guys, I've really fallen in love with the medium of podcasting. 
and I finally feel comfortable to where I want to ask for your support. So in the description and in all of the descriptions following this episode, I'm going to start putting a link for a spot for you to donate a small monthly amount of either a buck, five bucks, or ten bucks a month. Now this money is going to help the podcast grow. It's going to show me that this is worth my time. And because this is for creators, by a creator, I would hope that you can see that I'm doing this so I can sustain the act of creating. So if you really like this podcast, if you want to support the show, go down in the description, click the link to chip in a small amount to support the show. Thanks. I just want to start off with your origin story of either music in general and maybe talk about like what instrument you play and then talk about the band Good Fight and what that, how that came about. Sure. I come from a kind of uh, musical family. Um, my dad's been playing guitar and uh, recording on tape machines and playing piano and synths and, you know, that kind of stuff. It was more as a hobby uh, from like most of his life. And I was kind of surrounded that, by that stuff when I was a young kid and tried playing some piano when I was like very, very young. But yeah, guitar stuck. It was my dad's like main instrument. I think I saw a lot of guitars around. I was like, I want to play the guitar, you know? And uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of time of just kind of dwelling on how much should I practice. And I was clearly very hooked to it from a from a young age and kind of like uh, structured my life around guitar. Like basically had no social life when I was growing up, just like some close friends and spent a lot of time just, you know, in my room, hold up, sitting in front of an amplifier. I don't know what I think, what I thought I was doing, like writing or whatever it was. Um, and uh, when I was 18, I moved to New York and I didn't, looking back on it, I didn't want to go to school for, like, I wanted to just do music. I knew that. Um, I didn't want to go to school for rock. That felt silly. And there's a lot of those kind of, like, institutes and all that stuff. And, you know, power to the people that uh, go there and stuff like that, you know. And it turns out that, like, jazz school is essentially the same thing. I mean, it's, like, a similarly ridiculous concept um, to get a degree in. But that's, you know, kind of, it just felt like more feasible or for whatever reason. So put all my eggs in that basket for a good bunch of years, just trying to, you know, like what being a musician would mean, you know, for me. Yeah. So so you were, you were in school for jazz at the start of it? Yeah. So I moved to New York. I was going to the new school and I was kind of like immediately disillusioned by taking this thing that I love and putting it in the context of like an academic institution that you know I don't know I was I wasn't like very big into school I think when I was growing up because I knew I was going to be a musician and then I like was like all right well then it makes sense to put music into school form and I'll enjoy school or something you know like that's what I could get you know that's what my option is or something and yeah so I realized that it wasn't like a degree in music is like a phenomenon. It's not, you can't hold it in your hands. Like what the meaning of that is, you know, they may as well call it like a music education degree because, but yeah, anyway, that's like a different 
a different story. Um, well, yeah, because you go into school knowing how to play your instrument, right? Yeah, there's some requirements, and different schools have different requirements and stuff, and accept different amounts of students. And I think it makes sense for you know if it's an option for you, go for it. I don't think it's necessary though. Like, I think the big important thing was to move to New York, you know, move um, to a place that just is like a melting pot and has way more people, way more musicians. So I started to get kind of bummed about school again, you know, jazz school, whatever. And would just, you know, I had a friend who was like talking about how he started going to Smalls all the time. And then he like got a job. Smalls is like a jazz club in, uh, in New York. Yeah, so we started going to this little jazz club every night, just like as a guest or as an audience member, you know, like watching the jam session and stuff. And then he got a job there and I was like, whoa, like you can just do that. You know, like that has nothing to do with school. So eventually I just, yeah, I realized like school isn't going to get me a gig or anything like that, you know. And I started going to um, Smalls every night, just being like, all right, well, I'll just get a gig if I can just show up every night, you know, if I can go as many times as possible, you know. It was like kind of over the course of six, seven months of going, you know, five, six nights a week that I eventually got a gig there. And and like the the emotional content of that didn't really match up with how much I was anticipating. Like it wasn't as exciting or like everything you thought it would be. Yeah, exactly. Like as soon as I got it, I was kind of just like, ah, so what, you know? And I thought like, which... I'm very grateful, you know, for the experience and stuff like that. It wasn't a lesson about Smalls as a place, but it was a lesson about thinking that there is like a, the next thing is like truthfully the thing that's going to, you know, that you're after. Like a kind of is like a, seems like a fallacy, you know, you just keep going. There is no kind of like final resting place or, um, you know, some some kind of goal that's just going to satiate your ambitions forever. That's like around the corner. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Well, so if you, if that was kind of your, you were kind of disillusioned by that, not fulfilling everything, how did you get to putting your music on Spotify? And when did that come about? Like recording albums and EPs? I remember reading, I forget what book it was, but it was like about how Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and all these jazz musicians in like the late 40s and early 50s and stuff, they would record constantly, like all the time. And when I started getting more embedded with the jazz scene in New York, I was like, where's like nobody's really recording, you know? Like they're like, it's more of the vibe of like save up, you know, and then spend like a, a large amount of money in a studio and getting it mixed and creating this polished thing rather than like figuring out a way to just record more. And that's where certain aspects of indie musicians at that time were really appealing to me. Cause I thought like, oh, the, well, this is like, it seems like a, a style of music that attracts musicians that will just figure out how they can record as much as possible or, you know, just make, right. make recordings. And I was definitely interested in that, you know? Yeah, so eventually it was just like, it wasn't like I jumped ship from playing jazz at a jazz club to the indie rock stuff overnight but it was kind of like piece by piece I started there are things that are resonating with me like composing and writing songs with lyrics and um 
learning how to record myself and like the interest in production and ex that extending to instruments that I don't play like in a way where I want to learn how to record a drum set better I want to learn the best way to record a cello or whatever the hell and kind of open my mind where I was at you know like just focusing yeah. on this small so you're saying that the the, music. the jazz stuff kind of taught those lessons of like kind of explore different instruments explore different sounds or was that more the indie world that ended up being more the indie world um from like a kind of technical engineering recording perspective but like it makes a lot more sense for me to sort of uh use my influences in music in a context outside of jazz music because i don't feel like jazz i don't feel like um I have anything to do with jazz, you know, like I love, it's my favorite music, you know, I love it, but I don't feel like I have any, like I owe jazz music, anything or jazz music owes me anything, you know, like, and it's harder for me to imagine creating the kind of music I want to create. If it's like in the context of a rhythm section and a horn player, you know, or a rhythm section and a singer or something like that. It's like a little too, I don't know. I like, yeah, it's a little too serious for me. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so that kind of was the slow transition to indie music and good fight. Is that right? Yep. Is that kind of how, okay. That's really cool. Cause I think you having a background in jazz that kind of comes through in your songs. Do you think that like, how would you describe your style of music besides just saying indie or jazz or alternative? Like what, what would you say your sound is if you had to describe it yourself? Yeah, it's a hard one. I just like, uh, I'm really after this like surprising quality of music, like that music can have. Um, and I, I don't, you know, that could take the form of so many different things, you know. Um, I feel like it's not my job or responsibility to create the elevator pitch that you know that perfectly encapsulates the music because it's like right i'm very aware of the phases that i'm going through in terms of just what i'm interested in and genre that kind of stuff like uh i think if i were to be trying to make music inside of a genre i'd be kind of trying too hard um in, in a way that I, yeah it's just not it doesn't feel it feels kind of gross for me personally you know but so I would say there's like huge spheres of influence, like jazz, like bossa nova, um, like uh, early like '70s progressive rock, um, hip hop, and shit. Like there's a lot of there's a lot kind of there, and it's just a garbage compactor of all my right. favorite <laughs> moments of that, you know. So I'm curious because yeah, I I agree. There's no need to define your sound. I was just curious if you had anything to say on it, but I do think just being able to name your favorite types of music, your favorite songs, your favorite artists is enough to say, I'm probably taking something, a little something from all of them. And mm -hmm. I don't know how much, but I, yeah, I like the, that. Um, I'm just curious going through the process of writing a song and maybe you can think back to a certain song that maybe had a good story building up to it. Is there, is it kind of just like, playing uh some notes seeing what sounds good or do you start with lyrics or what is kind of the process for a song a specific one or a general 
songwriting process? There's two ways that I'll kind of do, like generally sort of a blend between them. The first way would be like, oh, there's a nice quiet space and I'm alone and I have my guitar and I feel creative and I want to sit down and I'm going to write a song and I'll maybe do that for an hour and I'll record it on my phone and I might sit with those recordings and listen to them a bit and wonder if something's there and maybe there's nothing there. And, you know, I might repeat that process of something until it's like, okay, cool. That's a little song, you know? Um, I don't really do that so much anymore. The other way is like literally throw something against the wall and then build on top of it. And then at a certain point, completely abandon it if it sucks, you know? And then instead of edit it, go on to something new and do the same kind of just like start with a chord, do some sort of something different that I'm not used to, get guy to play drums on it, start building a recording, maybe look through some words that I had written at some random point or Anique write some words or something like that. And it ends up being this extremely slow, like one to two year process that feels very natural and like kind of lets the song flesh itself out. And I've been mixing, yeah, I've been mixing a lot more and so I'm feeling like that's becoming part of the, the songwriting too. But it's like, I'm just, it needs a lot of time, you know? So there's kind of a, a blend of like, how long do I want to give myself to do this? And sometimes it's fun to, to challenge, you know, to challenge myself and just say like, okay, I have to write a song today, you know? Or I have yeah. four hours to do, you know, to record all the instruments of something and then I'll do the vocals another time, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I can kind of relate to that process to like filmmaking and writing a screenplay where it's sometimes I'll sit down and just type something out and then I won't look at it for five or six months and I'll come back and I'll right. be like, that. What? when did I write this? Did I even write this? And it's like looking at it with fresh eyes. Yeah, do you feel that like sleeping on your own shit is like, ends up being beneficial for you it ends up making it better oh absolutely i think yeah. and it's not even sleeping on it. it's like waiting so long that i truly have forgotten i wrote this and it's almost like you can kind of shift from being just like the creative person who can't really explain where it came from to like sitting down and being the editor of like i'm kind of redoing someone else's work and i don't mm -hmm. have to create anything new i can just kind of boil it down to what I like the best. Yeah. And, well, right. So staying on that though, um, like of kind of connecting filmmaking and music, do you ever look to other sources besides just the medium of music for inspiration? Like let's yeah. say it's film or books or whatever else it could be. Yeah. All the time. Um, especially in the, the latest good fight record, which is going to come out in the next few months at some point. Um, awesome. It's like, what gets to be, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could be, depending on who you ask, it could be the dumbest question ever, or it could be like a kind of interesting conversation. It's like, what gets to be music? Uh, you know, at what point does it cross the threshold of unorganized, random street sounds and honking and uh, like a, the sounds of a kitchen or a gym? At what point? is there a discernible melody or rhythm where you're like, oh yeah, there's some music there. And you know what I mean? So it's like, if you go to the extremes of that, where you have music, but then you also just have like normal sounds and stuff. And I don't know, that's not a necessarily like, I, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm just kind of exploring that stuff myself right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing of like the threshold. Cause I think, um, I think of like something like art or like illustration where it's like, what's the threshold for a face or like a human body. Yo, and it's like, how, yeah. how little can you get away with right, for like, it to be discernible? What if you had like somebody singing, right? An album starts and somebody's singing and it's just a voice and you're like, okay, cool. So one voice, maybe it's going to be a band. It's going to come in. And then they start like, slowly over the course of like a minute or two becoming a little bit more talky and breaking up the singing into just more words and phrases and it becomes sort of poetry and then like over the next course of a minute sort of becomes longer ideas and then it's like at what point do you just have a podcast you know right and it's like yeah and then it goes back into singing or some shit like that you know and do you think that you either intentionally or just it comes through, like try to break away from any genre? Because I mean, when I asked you that earlier, it's like, obviously you don't want to pigeonhole yourself, but do you ever think you're like, this is just too easy? It's like, how can I add something wild to this where it's, you know, let's add some EDM stuff to this yeah, indie totally. song. Yeah, because yeah, it's so boring, man. Just like having a yeah. whole record that's like, I don't, it feels very like, the beginning of albums to me like if you listen to like i don't know why you would but if you listen to like just like those like elvis presley it's just only singles it's just singles and it, it some indie records kind of feel like that where it's like if this is a great example of what you think this should sound like you know and it's like cool this is a this is that you know um i i couldn't keep myself from just wanting to either destroy my own recordings or like just try some other shit you know start with like a different groove or something not you know not stay in the same ballpark sounds or rhythm wise um yeah there's something that like so i kind of like to it'd be cool to have a some wide array of different sounding songs on the same record and they might cross over into different genres but if you were to like listen to all of them as a collection you'd think that they all still belong together like that would be right. cool you know something like that and then it's like do you take the genre of the song or is it the average genre represented on the album i don't know it's a yeah. broken it's a broken system doesn't yeah yeah well kind of transitioning a bit i want to hear about not necessarily like fame by any means but just having fans and like, what does it feel like to know that your music has, like, really impacted someone in a positive way? Like, do you get to kind of experience that personally where people might send you a message like, oh, I love this? Yeah. Like, or, like what is that it like? It's strange and it's great. Um, I love I love feeling that somebody felt accepted listening to the music that I make or, you know, the music that I make with friends and I love when people share that stuff with me and, you know, I don't experience it so often, but like, it's, it's great. It's great knowing that, um, you know, I definitely do this, all of this music, at least at this point in my life, coming from a place of like, you know, in a quiet way, seeking acceptance and um, still accepting yourself. And, you know, I kind of like that quote at the beginning of the podcast. That's a, that was good. You can accept your own voice. Um, yeah, accepting your own voice, that kind of stuff. Just like taking up, being a you know, just allowing yourself to take up space. 
that's cool. Um, that being said, it's like very easy for me to just take social media and all that stuff off my phone. And I don't know, there's times where I'm like, I really value just private, like a private life where like I have my passion. I love working on music. Like I think about it. I wake up in the morning. I love the routine any time of the day, really. And it exists completely independent of knowing people listen to it, you know, yeah. like even when we were first starting out, it's like when we were just on SoundCloud or something, if I got like, it was like, I got like 10 listens a day on songs and that's just, it felt great. I was like, fuck it. 10, 10 people a day are listening to this, you know, it's like not lost on me because of the, but yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's all, it's all cool. Everything is so connected today in a, in a way that I think I like pretend to understand more than I actually do. Um, and then sometimes it sneaks up on me and I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, I need to remember what it was like before, you know, I had a screen to stare at all day yeah. and just let myself get bored and see what happens. Read a book, start writing shit on a page, you know, like. Yeah. Cause I think keeping on that, you said something about like, sometimes it is just easier to get rid of all social media and not interact with fans. Cause you know, maybe it's negative, maybe it's positive. And I think for myself, because this is definitely not um, by any means a big podcast, but I do kind of get addicted to the numbers where it's like, whoa, two people listened to a, a podcast yesterday. And it's like, I don't even think I, I know them because I don't even know like this many people. But at the same time, I think I value a message of like someone I know reaching out to me and being like, oh, this was really great. I feel like I, I learned a lot or like, thanks for sharing this stuff where it's personalized and not necessarily a like or a listen or just a number that adds to a statistic i think i love those like even if it's not face to face just like direct messages yeah definitely okay um i'm just curious so obviously you said music has always kind of been your passion but i wonder do you have any other creative maybe pursuits i mean do you write ever do you um paint ever i don't know do you have anything or is it all about the music yeah i like to write and sometimes i'll just randomly draw some stuff um i wouldn't say that they're really even hobbies it's kind of stuff that i'm open to doing occasionally yeah right now i'm very into kind of sound design stuff which is definitely related to music yeah i think there's a big part of there's a there's a lot of effort when i'm not doing music to just kind of feeling comfortable which uh i guess like a lot of times you know i just don't really feel that comfortable outside of just like a few environments and i think that's like a lot of you know there's a lot of effort to just like work with that you know and um it takes energy kind of away from maybe other creative pursuits you know yeah no yeah i, I completely understand what you're saying um, yeah and do you think that it's like um well because the i like something like the idea of me getting up and singing in front of people is just absolutely terrifying but something like stand-up comedy i could do that i've tried it before and yeah it was a hurdle but like i wonder 
are, when you say like comfortability, do you just mean like comfort zone where it's like, I know I can play my instrument. I know I can play it well. Whereas something like, I don't know, like, like stand up comedy or like, um, I don't know, just any other thing like that. Is that what you mean by comfortability or is it something just more base level than that? Oh yeah. It's definitely base level. Like I, I'm, I've completely liberated myself from feeling the, the like kind of resistance to playing guitar in front of people or singing in front of people. Like that's, I'm not, you know, I don't deal with that stuff. It's much more on a base level of just like relating and being a human and, you know, like really building structure outside of music for who I am as a person, you know, I guess like as an identity also. Um, and I'm just still finding, I'm still figuring it out. Like I was, I'm really fascinated by music therapy, but it's, I think it's something that I'm realizing that is not for me at this point in my life. And, and that's just like a cool intersection of psychology and kind of improvised based music and helping people. Like I'm definitely like interested in that. Man, stand up is another level. I could never imagine. Um, <laughs> I'm such a huge fan, though. Have, do you know the show Kill Tony? Is it uh, like a show that's is streaming? I don't think I've heard of it. It's like a. It's just. I guess they call it a podcast, but it's really like a show that's done at a comedy club that they stream. Where it's sort of like oh, a, okay. It's like yeah, an open mic. It. It's an open mic, and they have um a bunch of comedians sort of like calling the names out of a bucket and just having conversations with the open micers after a minute and it's just crazy because it's you know it's this comedian tony hinchcliffe's um podcast or show or whatever but um no anyway i couldn't imagine getting on the stage and delivering like some just like a bunch of jokes i couldn't prepare it enough i would still get up there and just completely not know what to say well i think I think it's so similar to the to music, and I think it's yeah. funny hearing you say that. Whereas I think the idea of like singing and doing music in front of people is more terrifying. And I think, um, well, I actually wonder if it's more so just like some type of internal like environment. As I was a kid, it was like comedy was always going to be easier than music for me, and music was always going to be easier than comedy for you. I just wonder if that's like a something we're born with or if it's nature versus nurture it seems like a rabbit hole that i don't know enough to talk about yeah it's at the limit to my knowledge too but i would say it's probably it's like some combination of both but definitely the environment plays a huge role in it like i don't know if i would be a comedian if my dad was a comedian but i definitely wanted to be a musician early on because my dad was you know a musician and the environment sets the course of it and then after that it's just time it's time and learning and experience and you know being in the woodshed basically and yeah you get to a point where it's like undeniable how much time you've spent doing it and there's other things to focus on then you know you can get to a deeper place you know instead of having to focus on sort of the superficialities of just what performance is about you know you can get past that and then you can get into deeper stuff of putting on a show and that kind of thing. And I have spent zero time doing comedy. So like the thought of actually doing that is terrifying, but to be honest, man, I need comedy in my life. It's like, it's yeah. It's, I love that. I love this shit. I'm such a huge fan of comedy right now. I think it's yeah. a comedy is in a really great place right now with podcasts. Oh yeah. I yeah. completely agree with that, but okay. I wanted to 
because something you said earlier about um, like just being interested in sound design and music therapy, which obviously you said isn't something you're fully diving into yet, but I like the idea of you staying on the topic of sound and music, even if that is not expressed through like classic songs and um, well, basically saying that there are other routes to help people to make a living through a passion of sound and music that isn't just through the classic musician route and to take it to something that I feel like I can relate to is the idea of filming and knowing how to use a camera and having a passion using a camera. There are so many routes. Of course, there's the short film route and I will continue to do that in my free time, but that's not something I see myself pursuing as a career. And so I have this other route of videography and whether that's event videography or product videography, kind of having both where one is purely creative, no intent on having an outcome that's financially based and having the other one where I can earn a living and still be doing that thing I love using a camera. And so I'm curious because this podcast, at least my intent in making it is for the people who are creative and are pursuing some type of artistic medium, how can they still do that thing and express it as originally as possible, but at the same time, earn a living, earn a, a good living doing something that they don't necessarily have to sacrifice to do that. They can still be drawing, even if it's not doing the, the things that they want to do every day, they can still partake in the medium. Do you want to talk about that at all? I mean, has it always been purely music for you? Or is that something you're now considering of like, how can the medium of sound help people besides just creating albums? Yeah, I got into that thought, kind of the thought of like helping people uh, wanting to have some sort of purpose outside of myself. When I first moved to New York, it just felt all felt very selfish to just be spending so much time getting good at something. Like I'm so good at something. Look at how good I got. Uh, and I, yeah, so I was like, well, I do, I did spend a lot of time and, you know, maybe there's a, another way that this could be utilized, you know, that's not in this uh, kind of self-aggrandizing, like, look at how good I am, sort of, you know what I mean? Um, I started getting interested in music therapy schools and just, well, music therapy, and then that led to music therapy schools because it's kind of hard to get into the, I think it's, at least in America, you have to go to a school in order to be eligible to take the exam to become a board certified music therapist, so. Um, Could you explain that really quick? Because I, I don't think I know about the concept at all of music therapy. Yeah, it's this really cool profession, this world of clinically trained musician psychologists that work with everybody. I mean, there's a lot of videos that get circulated that are like, you know, people in like nursing homes that somebody puts headphones on them and then they start, you know, like they get out of their wheelchair and start dancing or whatever, you know, somebody like who's seen out, like just kind of like, you know, looking vacant, they get wheeled up to a piano and then suddenly they're playing like amazing, like as if they're in their twenties or something like that. Like 
that's I don't want to say that that's music therapy, but that taps into what music therapy is after. Just sort of like how we can use music to in all of these different ways. Um, and there's some really interesting science, like just about the brain and how, like, there's um forget who I don't want to say anything false, but I think it was like anthropologists or something like this that were saying that humans may have sang before they spoke. Before we spoke words, we like sang them so that there were more kind of uh, guttural sounds that resembled pitched melodies more than just spoken words. Just to suggest that by now, our brains have been hardwired through evolution to have this extremely large and mysterious ability to be influenced by music that I think people are just starting to take seriously. I mean, there's been music therapists for, I think, like, as like a profession for like 60, 70 years, 80 years or something like that. But I think at least in America in the 70s, they were not really taken too seriously, but they had stuck with it, kept doing their research. And now today it's sort of blown up in a way. Well, because I'm just curious if this relates, you know, I, I always hear that something like Mozart or Beethoven can like help you focus. And it's not necessarily that they're playing like, a binarial beat because I don't think that's what you're talking about but it's just that the like sound of like classical music is like a study focusing thing and I would have yeah, to double so, check that but I feel like that's like something I've heard before there's that um there's like the kind of like passive listening aspect of music therapy but that's a very very small portion of I think I mean there's there's so many different disciplines of it too as many different forms of psychology as you know that exist there's you know there could be a an analog in music therapy for it since it's like the combination of music and psychology you could take like you could be like some freudian inspired music therapist or you could be somebody that's more you know interested in like cbt or different you know more okay, modern yeah. approaches yeah it's just it's it's a huge investment of time that, yeah, that I honestly don't, just didn't feel like investing right now, you know? I love it though, I, I do I do see myself going back to it at some point or just like at least being an advocate for it, you know, communicator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wanna stay on the, kind of the topic, but I feel like you've alluded to this a little bit just of reading books, which I feel like is, somewhat rare uh these days and i'm just curious what what kind of stuff do you like to read when you are picking up a book is it the psychology stuff that we're talking about with the music therapy or is it sometimes i mean definitely definitely most likely nonfiction, and it might be like a recommendation from a podcast or a biography or just something random i'm looking through them right now just or some shit about the cia or stuff about being a lawyer. I don't know, just kind of random things. I'm like, my bookshelf's kind of just like a random scroll through Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, recommended reads? Let's see. Uh, there's this book by Oliver Sacks called Musicophilia. That's really interesting. That definitely inspired me and pointed me towards the direction of music therapy. It's a great, great book. Let me see what else do I got here. Oh, well, of course, there's classics like um, Brave New World. There's this 
really interesting book called Behave. Right now I'm reading um, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. Just kind of talking about how we're a lot better. I don't know. It's like just talking about progress throughout human history. That's so cool. Yeah. So it is kind of very broad reaching, it sounds like. And I think that's an awesome, that's a great thing that it's not just confined to, to music or one portion of history. No, yeah. Books about music kind of tend to suck. Biographies are cool. They're better, but sometimes you'll read a biography that it feels like fiction, you know? And I, yeah, so I, I definitely shy away from that too. Sometimes biographers definitely take some liberties, but usually like the official biographies are pretty good. Cause like the, like the, I don't know, the biography of Steve Jobs was incredible. Like the official one. There's also like an official biography of Lou Reed. That was good. Is better than the other ones. I have like four biographies of Lou Reed and, like three of them kind of suck because it's like a lot of just like and it's just nonsense it's like they're just inferring stuff and showing how good of writers they are and they have big words and then they're like and then on that night Lou Reed looked up at the stars and thought to himself and it just feels like bullshit you know it's like you you don't know what, what was in going on in his head okay so I'm I'm curious transitioning away from books and going back to music whenever you have and you kind of explained your songwriting process earlier, but if you ever have a lack of inspiration, is it you just don't force it? Or have there ever been times where it's like, I want to write a song, or it's like, it's been a month with nothing new? Is there? Do you ever hit that point where it's like lack of inspiration, but I want to create at this time? Do you ever run into that? Yeah, I mean, we're, it's like, I definitely with musicians, and also I have to imagine like comedians are filmmakers that want to keep making stuff it's like you're sort of in a business of motivation like you're in a business of creativity these like things that you can't rely on you know you can't rely on them being there they kind of just flow in and out and yeah you could set up the environment to give yourself the best chances of feeling motivated or being healthy or in a healthy environment to be creative and stuff like that so i feel like there's like kind of one of two options it's like i will just record and feel totally not into it and just throw some guitar chords down and build something or pull up some old file and just work on music anyway, you know, mix some stuff. Um, or I just don't force it, you know, go for a run, check in with myself and try to just be healthy and be like a good person to my family. You know, there's like definitely a lot of other things and then eventually it's sometimes you just go fucking like sometimes I'll just watch tv for 10 hours like you know and then at the end of that i'll be like i can't watch a single second of tv i have to make a song or have to you know whatever go for yeah. a run like you just get sick of kind of those passive activities yeah yeah exactly okay yeah i, I like that those answers when a someone is discovering what they they love to do if it's if they're a creator in some way shape or form when do you think is that crossing of like amateur to professional or maybe not professional but like novice to mastery and do you feel like you're have reached that threshold and maybe you can say it's a never ending like you said the grass is always greener on the other side what do you think about that yeah, it's kind of like never ending. 
Um, but I also think that like, if you spend a ton of time on it, not just mindless time, but like, you know, you can allow it to be kind of undeniable, I think, you know, I think that there is an, it's different for everybody, but there is an amount of time that you can spend working on something where it is like undeniable, you know, and it becomes like second nature or something like that. And there's no answer. I mean, it just is like, you feel so comfortable about it that it becomes like a second nature. And if it hasn't gotten to that point yet, it hasn't been enough time. And I view it that simply because I think that that's how it panned out for me. It was like after a certain amount of time, not just time passing and all right, now I'm 10 years older. So I guess I'm like a better guitar player, but like, no, I really spent a lot of time just with my head down and just trying to get better. And stuff like that. that's just what interested me at the time. And eventually enough sunrises and sunsets later, you wake up and you're just like, yeah, I'm no longer in doubt that I can play or I no longer doubt that I can improvise as good. or I no longer doubt that I should be allowed to do music or you know, whatever it is for, you know, like whatever kind of doubts that you have regarding like, skill or whatever and then recently maybe in the last couple of years i've been thinking like outside even skill where i feel like well, this is something like a way that music therapy has kind of influenced me but like i don't believe in wrong notes or whatever i just sort of believe that you're like shy what do you mean by that i just think that you're kind of shy and self-conscious of yourself oh or, like judging or, your own music yeah or you're not and you're like outside of that and you're sharing and it's like wrong notes what is that you know like there's no kind of concept of that if you allow your you know kind of like allow yourself to get out of that and that's also something that is very personal you know you have to kind of decide for yourself and at least in the context of jamming i don't know we're making music too there's no there should be no bars or gatekeeping for like you can't make an album until you have enough money saved up to go to a real studio it's like no you got to just get the shit out if you need to record it on an apple or a potato or a lego or whatever you know like i don't know if that answered your question at all i'm sorry well no because i think you're kind of hinting at what i've been thinking like something i've been wrestling with is what comes first the identity of whether it's musician comedian filmmaker or the act where you have to be playing not a set amount of time but it's like, you know, you said it's an internal decision. Could there ever be a case where it's like, like, I'll, I'll say something that I've recently started because I, I only did stand up comedy uh, a couple of years ago, but it was like, what came first, me getting up on a stage or did I have to decide first that I was going to be a comedian, that I was a comedian before I actually took that step? It's like identity or the action comes first. And I'm leaning towards the identity comes first where I decide I'm a comedian. So I'm going to do this thing and I'm a filmmaker. So I'm going to make this stuff. And it wasn't the other way around. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you, what do you think about that from a musician's perspective? Yeah. The identity is huge. I think uh, music doesn't have as objective as a, I don't think there's as clear of a line in music as there is with comedy in terms of, good and bad comedians right you if know you laugh or not yeah right like regardless of if the comedian has the identity of a comedian or if they feel like they're a comedian or stuff it's like there's a little bit more objectivity and if the room is gonna 
laugh or not. And then even still on top of that, you have amazing comedians that just have terrible nights and just bomb and stuff with music because you don't have that direct feedback, at least anymore, you know, or, uh, you know, for the time being without shows. Um, but yeah, I guess, no, now that I'm thinking about it with shows, it is a little bit similar, like playing rooms that you don't usually play in front of a group of people that usually wouldn't see you or maybe it's their first time seeing you it's it's well it's usually it's usually a great gauge right in that sense people are kind of very honest about if they're bored or not you know like they, they don't hide it they just talk to their friends or they look you know they're in their head about something else or something like that and it, you could kind of play in a way i mean it could be in a sort of like extremely loud bombastic musical terrorism kind of way where you're like you have to pay attention to me because i'm so loud and domestic you can't focus on anything else but you could also you know like uh perform a kind of set that has like uh i don't know surprises in it or whatever it is you know that like gets people to like stop and they're like oh shit that was actually kind of cool what, what just happened there you know something that's more engaging that's definitely something to think about now that performances aren't there i'm like yeah i'm like all right cool let's just have a song that blends into a a rainforest that becomes a a toy store that gets on a train and then becomes a folk song and then turns into a metal song. You know, it's like, I'm like, I kind of like, uh, like stuff that's hard to do live. I'm way less grounded now. Yeah. I'm not writing music based off of how it's going to work live. But I think that's an awesome thing. I think that's going to make us such a more unique sound. Could be, you know, but it might, yeah. Like I don't really have a choice right now. I mean, I guess I do have a choice, but, and I'm choosing to, make it unrealistic to perform live yeah yeah well okay i just want to touch on this a little bit and we'll talk before covid but so you did you travel around the country doing concerts or were you like kind of locally in you're in new york right now right yeah we're based in new york and we would go on tours like on the east coast and kind of smaller circuits like the northeast and stuff like that um pretty regularly before and we had plans to do it summer of 2020 um but that quickly got canceled and then it was like maybe 2021 and then i was just like i pulled the plug on that too so i'm just sort of focusing on recording right now yeah live performance is donezo unless it's like outside and or live streaming and live streaming doesn't really feel great um i have no interest of watching a live stream of like a band that i yeah it's like i wouldn't pay for that eh, it's not the same <laughs> maybe thing. it's for free yeah, yeah. Right. I wouldn't want to pay for that with my speakers. Yeah. Well, because um, with like just the experience of performing live, I have to imagine it's I mean, it's different for a number of reasons because you're performing night after night. But is it just more energizing where it's like your day to day now? You said you're still working on music like and thinking about it all the time. But is it comparable of like performing every night traveling or every other night traveling versus it's I'm going to kind of work on a song today. Yeah, it's different. Like it's it the energy. It definitely does feel a little bit more isolated and selfish to just be working on music, like songs and stuff all the time. But um, yeah, a lot of kind of self-purpose came from shows and I didn't even necessarily appreciate how much until coronavirus happened. So like that is a silver lining in a way. Um, yeah, shows meant a lot. It was at the bare minimum a reliable way for the band to hang out 
and see each other. And that went away and it was like, I haven't seen some people in, in months, you know, people that I would hang out with regularly just from the context of playing live shows and traveling there together and stuff like that. There's no real replacement for that. I don't think live stream is it for me. That's it. But, you know, I, it could be cool if you like got a sound stage or you like rented out some kind of cool space and then made it sound really good and then recorded it well, and you know, but then that also is sort of like a different endeavor than, I mean, that's in the pursuit of putting on a good show, but it's still different than like performing a show in front of real people or like, like people right in front of you. Pivoting, pivoting to mixing has kind of helped in a way. It's like some other, it scratches some other part of the brain than composing and creating does. And there's like something kind of type A about setting up a mix, you know, like prepping a mix. That's sort of nice that there was like a relation to the logistics side of performance, you know, that there's, that hasn't been totally lost. I don't know. You know, it's not all bad. I definitely miss playing shows though. Yeah. I'm, I imagine it. Um, but we're kind of wrapping up. We're nearing the one hour mark. And so I just want to get a couple more questions in, but kind of quicker ones. What's your favorite song you've ever written that, you know, people can hear. So not necessarily one that might be, uh, okay. That isn't anywhere. And why? Uh, it'd be big high and I never meant to write it and it just sort of appeared and it's just good memories. And I was doing a lot of acid with my friends and making music and it's a simpler time, but, um, <laughs> once the fog cleared and I kind of shook some lesser habits, I was like, man, I, I kind of, I felt like successful with big high, you know? Just it worked the samples going into it and like the sound of the drums and it's definitely a i think a sound that i'm going after much more yeah with future releases and was that what was that one of your first albums or like a single before the albums that was on our second ep called ghoster i just want to end with yeah because i think i've gotten through all my other questions but I always like to end the podcast by asking the same question to all the guests and it's pretty open-ended. You can interpret it however you want, but can creativity be taught? Why or why not? Yeah, it can, but it's like not creativity. It's love and it's acceptance. That's it. You know, like you could be loved and accepted. And I think that's where creativity will come from. So you're saying the like love and acceptance can be taught, like you can be taught to love and accept your yourself and other people. And that's where creativity can kind of shine through. Yeah. Maybe not like taught so much as shown the way, I don't know, helped nudged in the right direction, have a good, good example of, of what acceptance looks like and feels like and empathy and that kind of a thing. And then you just, everything else melts away and you're like, all right, let's create, you know, I think it could come from really painful and dark places too. Um, but I wouldn't wish that on somebody that's trying to learn how to be creative. You know, like there's a false, false narrative of like, you know, a romanticization of ruining your life and then having stuff to write about. And I don't know. I just think that's like fucking whack. And I don't wish that on anybody. I think love and right. acceptance is the way to go. And don't question, you know, just like, yeah. Yeah. 
And I feel like a good quote I got from you this episode is there's no such thing as a bad note. Totally. You know, yeah. Except every note. And I'm going to end it there. So, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you want to shout out any of your social media or, you know, I'll link your Spotify, your SoundCloud, anything um, else? No, I'm, it's all gross. I'm going to, I don't even know if I'll be on social media in the next year. I'm going to always put music out though. You could um, just keep an eye out on Good Fight. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This is a lot of fun. would be, well then, what is the inevitable end you're seeking for these instruments? My mind is feeling kind of scattered. I'll take the fall and all and all. She understands. She understands. Take
This has been Purple Elephant Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week.